We're happy to make podcasts available for selected ed webinars for your listening pleasure. If you'd like to receive a CE certificate, you must watch the video recording. Recordings and quizzes can be found in the EdWebinar archives. Please visit home.edweb.net slash podcasts for more information. Hello and welcome everyone to another EdWeb presentation. Um, I'm Brian with Varsity Tutors for Schools, and we're going to talk about the future of personalized instruction. And uh, we've got a great panel, though, a really good discussion that we want you to be a part of as well. So please use the attendee chat um, early and often as, as we hear about uh, what's working for personalized education in your classrooms, your districts. We're going to hear from, uh, from our panel here. Uh, we've got Rick Cohen here. He's uh, Assistant Superintendent of Attention Schools in New Jersey, also the author of The Metacognitive Student. And uh, he's going to talk about some of the, the challenges that his district has faced in personalizing education and uh, some of the solutions that have been working and some of the things they're planning for the future. Um, we also got Mark Wojciechowski here. Um, he's been involved in personalized education really at all facets from uh, you know, creating IEPs himself as, as a teacher to being an IEP consultant uh, to working for companies like Amazon and EdTech. And he currently works with RC Tutors for Schools uh, as a partner to, uh, to, to many of our district partners. And so he's got a, a finger on the pulse of uh, some of the challenges that districts are trying to solve in the ways that, uh, that they're solving them. And, uh, and that kind of leads us to our panel today. You can read a little bit more about them both here and uh, and where you registered. What we'd love to get into is, uh, is our discussion right now, um, kind of the goals we have. We're gonna sort of set the scene with, um, you know, what what is the promise of personalized learning? Where do we hope it can take learning? Um, and where are we currently maybe falling short? What's sort of the delta between the vision you hear about in, in TED Talks and, uh, and, and some of these forward-thinking publications and what's really happening on the ground? Um, we'll talk about some of the specific challenges that school districts are facing in, in getting the personalized learning that they would like to have in their schools accomplished. Some of the ways that technology is starting to enable some of that progress we'd really love to see. Um, and then more, probably most importantly, some of the ways that, you know, the, the rubber has to meet the road. Some of the, the creative solutions to making sure that the proposed solutions really do pull through. So that's kind of our agenda from here. Um, and uh, I want to get started with our uh, attendees here. Um, you can, like I said, read a little bit more about them where you register if you'd like to, but uh, let's get to know them a little bit and, and what they're thinking about. Mark, I want to start with you, just since your experience is, is so broad in, in personalized education from teacher and student to, to working at a high level, um, you know, big companies and, uh, and through educational technology. In your mind, um, you know, so what is the big promise of personalized education? How close are we? And how would you explain that delta between where we want to be and where we are today? So I, I think to give it a little bit of a historical context, when I started teaching uh, was late 90s and um, I moved into the special education sphere through school psychology uh, as a resource specialist and then trained as, an, as a school psychologist. And so I had experience working on writing a lot of IEPs. Uh, and the promise of an IEP obviously is sort of the uh, gold standard of what individualization and personalization should look like. You have this very detailed plan for each one of our students. Um, the, the reality was that at that time around 2004, IDEA, IDEA was rewritten and they included a phrase called response to intervention, which everybody knows really well. At the time, we didn't know what that meant. What that meant at that time was it was a way to prevent historically how students ended up in special education, which is called the wait to fail model, which is literally you had to wait for a student 
to struggle with learning for often years before they got the kind of support that they could through an IEP. Um, so even though that was sort of the gold standard and has always been the gold standard, our ability to deliver personalized learning has always suffered. Um, uh, and one of the big challenges has always been, you know, how do we cut off or get ahead of uh, what students' needs are as quickly as possible? And I think the promise of technology always was this is a way to do that. This is a way to, to get the things in front of students that they need that meet their individualized personalized need. But frankly, we haven't seen it transpire. We still have huge gaps um, across the education uh, continuum. And uh, so I think that what we've really done, and I think this is kind of an interesting way to put it, is that we focused a lot on the tech side of ed tech with not a much enough focus on the ed side, the education side of it. And I think we're trying to come back full circle to doing that. And I think you know, one of the topics we'll get into is talking about online tutoring. And I think that's one of the real powerful ways to do that. Thank you. And, um, and Rick, I know we were talking, uh, you know, just before this about, you know, everything that goes into education, You're basically putting on a Super Bowl or rock concert every day with sending buses around the town to bring kids in, you've got to feed everybody and, and uh, you know, HVAC and, and lighting and all those things that there's so many steps that to even get to baseline education that some of these, you know, be grand visions take a little bit of time and just a lot of human effort to make happen. What, um, what does personalized learning look like right now in Matushin, and how does that compare to where, where you want to be able to, to get it to be in the fullness of time? Yeah, so, you know, I think we all know putting on the Super Bowl every day very well. Uh, and, I, and I know that in Matuchin, as both a, an assistant superintendent of curriculum instruction for 2,300 kids, as well as a principal of, of our early childhood school that's located in our central office, so there's a lot to put on every day, right? And so the the goal is to get to that, you know, do all that work so that when the kids are in the classroom or, you know, even at home as well, getting that personalized instruction that's relevant to them at their level. Uh, and so much goes into it. And so my experience as a curriculum instruction person is looking at, you know, what are the teachers doing in the classrooms? Then we're looking to identify students that may be struggling. Uh, and then what kind of systems of intervention and tiered supports can we set up? Uh, how do we man those people? How do we get those people trained and ready to deliver? How do we get them the information so that each child, you know, each person that's going to be working with each child knows their needs and is prepared to, de to deliver to those targeted needs? So I know that really well as a, an assistant superintendent. Um, and then, of course, I've, we learned it even more so uh, as a Title I coordinator, right? So now we have resources to try to get to those students that even with a whole system of supports, there's still students that need. Um, then, of course, when COVID comes, now we have students that are, you know, quarantined or missing school and trying to deliver even in more challenging, far-reaching circumstances. And now post-COVID, uh, you know, trying to help, uh, you know, get the message out that personalized instruction is the greatest thing for all kids while teachers are already overloaded and drowning with all these other student needs as well. And so squeezing teachers to get more personalized now is even harder than ever. And so we, we, we've been finding a lot of great success with our tutors and happy to talk about how that's been a great resource for us. 
Thank you. And I love a lot of what, what both of you had mentioned, um, you know, in terms of, I think Mark, when you mentioned, you know, we lead a little too much uh, with tech and, and don't think as much about Ed. And I want to come back to that in uh, in a second. And then, you know, Rick, like you mentioned, they're just, you know, they're overworked teachers that, you know, in addition to, hey, we should really personalize learning a little bit more, are dealing with all kinds of other issues, including things like COVID and, uh, and, and all the things that, that factor into it. Um, I know, Mark, before this, we were talking about, so as I want to move into, what are some of the specific challenges that we kind of identify what's standing between us and where we want personalized learning to be, we can start to work on those solutions. And we'd love to hear from, uh, from everyone in the audience, too, of what are some of the things standing between you, your classrooms, your district, and where you want to be. And Mark, I love one of the ways you put it when we were prepping for this was teachers have superpowers. And teachers have kryptonite, and I think we can identify some of that kryptonite. Um, do you want to expand on that for me a little bit? Right. So we know that the best way to connect with human beings in general is uh, person to person, right? And as a former middle school teacher, I, I, my, I had superpowers, as all teachers do, to connect with individual students and, 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 and really watch them blossom and grow. But the kryptonite of every teacher is just the absence of time. Um, and I mean, I had 180 kids coming through my room every day. You know, it took quite a bit of time just to get to know that student's name, let alone what what was required to reach that individual student's personalized needs. And frankly, you know, teachers get a lot of heat for what's called teaching to the middle. But uh, I have to say that, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of having an absence of time, you have to do the best that you can to meet as many students' needs as you possibly can. And inevitably, students get get left out on the periphery, on the edges, right, on the edges of those continuums, whether it's high-performing students, high-potential high students, or it's lower-performing students. It's very difficult for teachers just to get to that just as a matter of time. But what I believe the promise of technology uh, can be, uh, we haven't quite seen it fulfilled yet, is the ability to take those teachers' superpowers and be able to deliver those anytime, anywhere, uh, 24-7, um, and to give everybody within a community of learners access to those kinds of tools so parents can deliver that, help support that, teachers can help support that, districts in general can help support that. So uh, really taking that super, those superpowers and, uh, and scaling them, that, that's where the promise of technology really comes through. Thank you. Yeah, I know one thing what you know the three of us were talking about a little is is you know the you know Rick was even mentioning his comments in order to personalize you need to identify who you know who needs help and, and in what subject at what level you need to make sure the teacher knows what to have them work on. Like pretty clearly the answer for for so many of things is we just need more time for the experts who know how to personalize to be able to do that. And so often some of the solutions have been, well, what if we gave everybody an iPad or what if we gave everybody a Chromebook or forced everyone to log into this other system? Um, and, uh, and unless it gives people a little bit more time or kind of extends the, the human power, that's you know one, one big place where we've fallen short. And I know, Rick, that kind of gets into a little bit of, uh, of some of the things that, that you, know, you talked about trying to do when we're touching the personalized learning, particularly coming out of the COVID era. Uh, you know, how do we, we get more time on task for students, more personalized learning? Um, what were some of the early things that, uh, that you tried and uh, in order to personalize learning and, and some of the places that they fell short? Yeah, so, so Mark did a great job of, of representing the challenges that teachers were facing in their classrooms. And, and so from my perspective, now talking as an administrator in Metuchen for the last 12 years when I arrived, knowing that teachers had that 
they had the superpowers and still couldn't reach every child and, and get that personalized. So in my role as a Title I coordinator, we had money to get some more people to spend more face time with students. So we decided to do to use Title I funds to pay our own teachers to do tutoring. Um, and we found a lot of challenges with that. Uh, you know, first and foremost, you needed teachers that had beyond superpowers because now we're asking them to work beyond their already demanding day, have that extra level of energy and time themselves to, to meet and work with kids. And to do that, what, what are their needs and, and prepare for those sessions to be high powered? And so we had a limited number of teachers that really had the energy and the time and availability. Then once we found those those blessed, superpowered, superpowered teachers that had that, you know, they had their own lives and schedules. And so we could only offer to our students that we had identified at that point what the needs were, a limited number of opportunities. And of course, our students had their own schedules as well. So we spent a lot of time trying to match schedules and sometimes we're successful and often not successful at all. And we would spend a lot of time and not find success for some kids at all. Um, and so that's when we started to realize that, you know, we are not reaching the kids that we really need to. And even though we may have the funding available, you know, we have limited number of people that have limited availability and that's a limited matching in terms of the schedules of the students in need. Thank you. Yeah, I remember you, I think the, the phrase you had used um, early on when we were talking about this was, hey, scheduling just became a nightmare. It was taking a lot of time for the administrators to try to create schedules and, and find, um, you know, teachers to be there. It was trying to recruit students to show up. It was them dealing with, you know, if students showed up, but a teacher couldn't. Uh, it just had, you know, so so many different moving parts that uh, that were, were an issue there. Um, and uh, really, I think, you know, one of the things we hear from a lot of parties, I meant to mention at the beginning, uh, some folks may have registered, um, you know, expecting uh, Lorraine Allen from the, the Portland Public Schools in Oregon to be here. And, uh, you know, as, as we know, it's September, schools are back in session, viruses are flying everywhere. Um, she was a little bit uh, you know, sick this morning and, and couldn't make it. But one of the things she mentioned a lot was, um, you know, the importance of not only does it take, you know, human power to teach, you know, uh, sessions after school and in summers and all those kind of things, but it, it takes a lot of human power to enforce, that, to communicate to families that this is taking place in this time and place. You can have all the best intentions out there um, and, and get motivated staff. And if students don't know where to be, families don't know that it's happening, you know, folks can't arrange transportation. Um, there are just, you know, to, to go back to the Super Bowl analogy, so many logistics involved in getting expert teachers and learners together uh, at the same time. Um, Mark, how does that resonate with other challenges that you found, um, you know, both as an educator and working with, with so many of our partners? I know a lot, uh, you know, we, we've hit the theme of, uh, of time and, and getting people on the same page in time there. Are there any others that, uh, that, that you've noticed, um, especially when you talk to things like, you know, having to choose who even gets intervention in the first place right. and, and the time it takes to, to, you know, decide which programs to even begin with? Right. And I'll, I'll jump back again to the promise of RTI and MTSS and all these these things. These are these were really innovative ideas, but putting them in practice in a real effective way has posed a lot of challenges for folks. And, um, you know, when we talk about RTI, RTI is really supposed to be a very fluid process. Students are supposed to not really get stuck in any one of those tiers at, for any extended period of time. 
And part of the challenge is just resources, people, time, the availability to go in and assess students and, and evaluate their progress relative to those particular the response to the intervention, whether the response has actually happened or not. Um, and, you know, so that's that, that RTR element is a big piece of it. And being able to do that with fluidity and accuracy has been a challenge that I think technology can help with. Um, but MPSS is also, it's a multi-tiered system of support. And when we think about a system of support, we often think about the, the SST on our campus or, you know, the few, few individuals that have the time to dedicate to this type of thing. But when I talk to uh, school districts, we are beginning, or many districts, innovative districts are beginning to see how to extend that system of support into the community itself. And so there's some really good examples of some partnerships that we formed at Varsity Tutors that have really taken that community model to heart. And so now the system of support becomes a system beyond just the boundaries of that particular school district and involve and engage uh, a lot of individuals and in how we communicate with those individuals within the district. So um, there's some really innovative eyes, ideas and, and folks figuring out ways to expand what are really good ideas and using technology to actually uh, uh, take those opportunities and capitalize on those, those really good ideas. Thank you. I know we're going to talk a lot about some of the innovative ideas in, in implementing, you know, kind of where, where the rubber meets the road, where, you know, we, we actually make sure that people, you know, students and families are taking advantage of some of these opportunities, like you talked about making it. Um, a community initiative. I think we've, we've identified a, a lot of the issues. And again, for folks out there, please, um, you know, share in the chat. I'm trying to, to check periodically along with, uh, with some of our notes on, uh, on, on our, uh, you know, our line of questioning for all this here. Please share if there are other challenges that you face. We're going to make sure we get time at the end for um, specific questions from, uh, from you all for, uh, for our panelists as well. But I think we've identified some of the big challenges. Scheduling is really tricky. Um, it just takes a lot of human power to, to diagnose, to prepare, to, to implement um, some of those kind of things. And so, um, you know, Rick, I know one of the, the reasons we you know we know each other is uh, is because of the the partnership of online tutoring that uh, that Matachi and Varsity Tutors are working on. Can you talk a little bit about how did you come to that decision for online tutoring being being able to solve some of the problems you were looking at, and um, what has that program started to look like? So the background is we were doing Title I tutoring uh, to the best of our abilities and knowingly not serving a, a good chunk of students who we had identified with need because of the, the scheduling challenges. And then when COVID hit, um, we really we came up with a, the, uh, you know, a system to provide tutoring for students who were quarantined for those 10 days. Uh, and we became completely overloaded where we had a long list of kids waiting to get the support. Sometimes they would get tutoring until a month after they were quarantined and they had already been caught up. And at that point, we're like, this is something that we'll never be able to catch up on. We'll never get ahead of. We're always going to be behind. And it seems to be getting, we're seem to be getting further and further behind doing it the way we're doing it. And that's when we said, you know what, there has to be another way. Um, and at that point, we, we did hear about third-party tutoring. And I jumped on that. Uh, because we did have the resources at that time with ESSER funding and uh, COVID funding came in. We had the money, we, but we needed, we needed a, a solution. Uh, and so at that point began vetting multiple providers. Uh, what really got me excited about Varsity Tutors was the, the idea of the parent scheduled option, uh, which was a game changer for us. 
Um, I literally had myself and an administrative assistant spending essentially all day just trying to arrange tutoring uh, during COVID. And once we brought in varsity tutors, they said, if you have parents and our, our, our parents were chomping at the bit to get that tutor for their child. Uh, we, we worked with them and asked the parents, hey, do you get permission for us to give your information to varsity tutors? And the next thing you know, kids are getting tutoring, you know, with the blink of an eye. Uh, and that's when we realized that this was really the, a game changer for us, not just to get through COVID, but beyond. Thank you. And I mentioned, um, you know, the rain Allen was, was uh, said to be one of the things she added with, uh, with you know, has a um, parent scheduled tutoring model. One of the things she mentioned was we would love to do it during the day. But when working with students with IEPs, you know, pulling them out for, for tutoring services during the day as, as frequently as we would want to do it would interfere with other parts of their IEP and some sort of stuck on, you know, again, time being a big factor. Didn't have the time to do it during the school day. Didn't have the time to, to coordinate it after school and put in all those kind of efforts and then being able to one build in that flexibility for parents to be able to schedule students to be able to schedule when it worked for them and, and sort of having the staffing to be able to meet through a, a third party service was helpful but also having a third party be able to to chase down and things like attendance remind you know send reminders that a session was happening you know, once it happens outside of school hours and outside of you know your direct supervision and interaction um, being able to, to make sure that those things happen, uh, you know, it's helpful to have automated reminders and other services that are, are, are tasked with, uh, with being able to, to, to chase those kind of things down. One of the, the um, things we want to make sure we, we address here, I think that, you know, a lot of our attendees here are, are teachers. So Rick, if I can follow, what has been the impact on teachers? Do you have any feedback from teachers about their interaction with the tutoring program or, or maybe the fact that Hey, they just know that it's happening and they don't have to worry too much about it. And that's helpful. What, uh, what have teachers had to say about it? So, um, so I think really the, the, the game changer for our teachers uh, has been on demand. Um, can we talk about on demand? Is that all right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to kind of explain that's another addition to, you know, in addition to the high dosage uh, tutoring model, you know, sort of another piece of technology that's enabling students to get help when they need it. So we uh, it, we did get positive feedback from our students and our parents on the tutoring. Uh, the teachers were a little bit disconnected from it, so I, I can't speak. They they knew that their kids were getting support and they appreciated it. Um, but we also know that our teachers were telling us, especially post COVID, that differentiation was becoming more difficult. Not just because of the the expanding needs of students and the overwhelming needs that, that they were seeing in their classroom for, from a social and emotional standpoint, as well as academic. Um, but just the, the idea that engaging kids while the teacher is differentiating and it, with a small group, the other kids to keep them engaged, especially when they're a little confused and maybe just need a little help, but it's not their turn within the small group instruction to get that immediate assistance, uh, became a challenge for the teachers just to run the class through the day. Uh, engaging kids in more personalized practice. Uh, so we began to vet out options and solutions for that. And, and on demand was rec you know, recommended as a possible solution. It is a 24 seven chat tutoring uh, service uh, that we brought on now. And what that allows our teachers to do is they do their whole group instruction. 
you know, they have to minimize the amount of time they're in front of the whole group because kids can't listen that long. Our teachers are getting good at that. And then they're getting good at having data to say, here's a small group that I'm going to pull to give extra help. Uh, but then what about the other kids? And so what we are able to do now is our teachers have gotten our kids onboarded and the kids know that if I'm doing a math problem and I don't know what to do, but the teachers with another group of kids, I'm not going to go up and interrupt. I'm going to get on to on demand. I'm going to chat with a tutor. I'm going to tell this tutor via the chat what the problem is I'm working on. And there's a whiteboard and the, the, they can work together on a whiteboard. The student can see what the, the tutor is showing them, a way in which to solve the problem that they be, they were totally stuck on. Uh, now there's that second person in the room, but the student next to them also has it. So there's it could be a third person in the room, a fourth person in the room. I just heard yesterday from one of our math teachers that she had the kids working on it while she pulled the small group. She had five or six kids all getting one-to-one -one personalized support. At one point, she went over just to kind of monitor, and she saw one student working with one of the chat tutors on, on, on demand, and she watched how the chat tutor solved one of the math problems in a way that she had never seen before herself as a math teacher. And so she is even gaining, you know, and, and getting professional development at the same time. Um, but for us, it's you no, know, so our teachers really love it because it does now take a lot of the pressure off and the intensity off. They can pull a small group of students and really focus in on them and know that if their other students have a problem or a question, they can get personalized instant support uh, in the classroom. And, and our teachers have come to me and said, thank you. This has been really helpful. We really appreciate it. And we want to learn more and more about how to do that, which will, I guess, lead later to our teacher assigned discussion. Excellent. Thank you for that. And, um, and Mark, I want to loop you on this because it kind of, you know, goes back to what you mentioned about teacher superpowers are many, um, but one that I think we all know is we can't be in two places at once. And so in order to, to differentiate instruction and make sure that, you know, students who have a question that might be blocked for doing anything productive until you can get around oh. to them. Um, I know when I, when I was teaching in a high school, the, the, 55 minute period, you realize like you started to divide it by the number of students, the number That's of right. ability levels, the number of differentiated lesson plans you had. And you kind of realized like there were just days you weren't going to be able to address every group as many times as you would want to or any of those kind of things. What's, um, what other ways have you found? You know, one of the things we talked about before this, Mark, was, um, you know, differentiating an instruction. Really, you know, it has to work, you know, throughout the bell curve. It can't be, That's you know, correct. we wait for someone to fail and then we, we try to differentiate and personalize there. Personalization should be a little more proactive. Um, what, uh, what things have you seen districts uh, and, and, you know, in schools doing to try to differentiate kind of across the continuum, you know, maybe in ways like, like Rick is using on demand? So let me just tie up one thing there. When we think about the time limits that teachers have, we think about it in general of like an eight to 10 hour day. But even within the classroom, as Rick was just highlighting, we think about the different types of instructional pedagogy or, or mo instructional models where you might have pods and you might have individualized instruction, small group instruction and whole group instruction going on at the same time. As a teacher, you just literally can't be in all three of those places at the same time. But through the act, through access to online tutoring, you can provide that. I I think of it as when I was a resource specialist, I had three paraprofessionals. It's like I have now basically a paraprofessional for every single one of my students with these high quality instructional background, you know, backgrounds and all of this curriculum background knowledge. But 
Uh, so we think about time across the entire day, but we also need to think about it just within the class itself and, and how challenging that can be, which ties in with how, we, how we've set up tutoring as an option for uh, delivery. And we really have three different models. We have district-led uh, tutoring, uh, so districts can manage and control how tutoring is distributed throughout their entire district. We have teacher assigned and we have parent assigned, and we'll talk more about teacher assigned, but parent assigned is a really powerful tool because you can now put not only tutoring in the hands of students that need tutoring, and maybe it's that on-demand piece that they just need a quick a quick uh, answer to. There's, there's on-demand as a piece that is available to all parents. Um, and and it, we think about tutoring, we're talking a lot about tutoring, but back to the entire performance continuum of all students across the entire school or school district, um, there's a whole lot of other resources that are available to parents within that. So it really is an equity builder as well because we have uh, test-taking strategies, we have enrichment classes, there's just a whole host of other options. So one of the things when a school district makes an investment in something like uh, varsity tutors, you wanna make sure that you're getting everything that you can out of it. And what we're finding is that we can now deliver something through a single platform that meets, reaches every single student's needs, whether it's a need for support or it's a need for enrichment, we can all have that within one place. So it's, 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 it, is the, it is fulfilling the promise of what technology was hoped to be able to accomplish. Great, thank you. I think it comes back to you know, giving, giving students more time on task. It comes back to that kryptonite of time that if you have ways to be able to give students an outlet, whether they need a new challenge, whether they're stuck on something small, whether they need a little, you know, more intervention, um, using technology in ways to make sure that the time we, because they have limited time too, you know, they're only in the building for so long, but using technology to make sure that they don't spend a lot of time waiting for the help that they need. They don't spend a lot of idle time. So it's one of the challenges I had as a teacher was, I know these kids are done with the assignment that, that I had them to do. I need to dream up something that doesn't feel like busy work, but keeps them learning and, and motivated and those kind of things. And you just, you know, there are just so many trade-offs teachers have to make that, uh, that being able to find outlets, like you said, it's like having, um, you know, whether it's tutoring, whether it's on demand, whether it's other programs like that, you know, just give teachers more paraprofessionals in the room, more, more outlets to be able to make sure that students who are investing in the time and attention, you know, we don't lose that valuable time and, uh, and attention there. Um, so we talked about a handful of solutions, um, you know, including tutoring, including on-demand type services and those kind of things. Um, but I think we go back to the beginning, you know, so often we lead with the tech and, and don't fully follow through with the ed. And I think another thing is true of technology that, you know, we expect technology to come riding in on, uh, on a white stallion to save the day. And here are your Chromebooks, here's your iPads, here's this software. And okay, the problem is solved, but we found time and time again, um, it really, there, there is a lot of innovation that needs to happen to make sure that the solutions that we believe will work are actually reaching the end users. They're using it, uh, you know, pretty pretty frequently, regularly, even with tutoring. We know that consistency um, and frequency are, are so important. Um, so Rick, I'd love to, to ask about what are some of the things that uh, that you're doing because uh, tutoring takes place on on parents and, and student schedules. You mentioned flexibility being really important. They can do tutoring when it works for them. They have tutors to meet them on, on times that works for them. But so much of it now happens outside of the school day and, and outside of, you know, kind of your direct supervision. What are some of the things you had to adapt to to make sure that families know that this is happening, that folks have access to the technology that they need to make it happen and that you're serving everyone, um, you know, 
with the, the tools that you've made available, you're actually making sure they're taking advantage. Yeah. So, I mean, the combination of the tools uh, save the big problem that we had, because as you mentioned, folks know that this high dosage tutoring was happening for students that were eligible. So what ended up happening with COVID was federal funds were designated for the subgroups most affected by COVID. And we use that money to provide high dosage one-on-one tutoring through varsity tutors. And then of course our parents started hearing about how great this was and began saying, well, what about my child who's not in a subgroup identified as being most affected by COVID, but needs help. And this is where on-demand, combining on-demand with high dosage tutoring became a viable solution for us to say, while you know we don't have the funding to give every single student in the school high dosage tutoring, we can offer this on-demand, which will allow your child to have as much support that they need, when they need it, where they need it, at their fingertips. And it, not only did it allow the teachers to be able to utilize as a third, fourth, fifth, sixth person in the room and take a lot of the pressure off themselves for the planning and the preparation and the support, but now it does the same for students and parents at home when it comes time for homework. Uh, you know, I've, I've been in education all my life, but when my kids came home with Algebra 2 questions, I wasn't able to help them. Uh, if it was Sunday night and there was a, a test in science the next morning and I didn't know how to help them, there would be pressure there. And, and that was really tough for kids, especially after COVID, to deal with the stress, the academic stress mm-hmm. that came, was kind of being poured back on. And so there is a not only an academic support aspect to this, but there's a an emotional and mental health uh, support that came not only to the students, knowing that if I need the support, it's there at my fingertips, but also for the parents as well, to be able to say, my child needs help. They can get that help that they need. And it really did help our community stop pointing fingers and saying, hey, there's things out there that I want, even though we had limited resources. They're now saying, I really have access to all the support that we need or that we feel that we need. That's that's so great to hear. Thank you. Um, and I'm kind of, you know, ties directly into to Mark's point that it really is, a, you know, it's, it's a community solution and, and not just, you know, the, the solutions can't mm-hmm. only happen between, you know, 815 and, uh, and 3.30 or whatever the school day is that, uh, that involving the community, involving parents, uh, making sure people see this as a resource that they want to use is really helpful. Um, which, Mark, I know one of the things we've talked about when we were prepping with this with Lorraine, she even mentioned one of the things she liked about um, being able to partner with a third party was they could partner together on communications plans. Like up front, right. she could make sure that those who knew they were eligible, you know, knew that they were able to sign up for things. And she could devote a lot of her efforts toward recruiting, you know, awareness of the program in general, but then could rely on, you know, whether it was the tutors or automated messaging or something to remind people to continue to take advantage of it. And uh, so one of the things we talk about a lot with partners is when you do have a, a technology partner or a tutoring partner that's available to families, in a way, you kind of have to flip the mindset from mm-hmm. logistical coordinator or educator to marketer. You just need to make sure they know right. where the service is, how to take advantage of it, you know, that, uh, that it's there when they need it. And, uh, and so what are some of the, the stories you have of some of the innovative ways that, uh, that partners are, are taking this tool that we know can't work when used regularly, uh, but making sure that people use it for the first time and then they continue to use it. 
Yeah, so I'm, I, I, I want to back up for a second, too, and talk about, we've talked a lot about, and I think we're, people are probably thinking mostly you're talking about skills gaps. And those are some of the things that teachers can address. But I came from, uh, I worked in Paramount Unified School District, which had the highest second language learner population in the entire state at the time, right on the border of Long Beach. Uh, and you had 63 different languages spoken, right? And, and how is a teacher possibly going to meet all those needs? It's impossible. I'm sure New Jersey faces the same challenges. And um, so, you know, that's one of the other promises. And, and that extends into what you're talking about in terms of ways to connect and communicate with the community. Um, so I, I work with uh, Rialto Unified School District in Southern California, and they have just done an amazing job. And this is, this is where collaboration between us as an entity that can deliver a whole lot of resources and a whole lot of support and innovation and that local knowledge that comes from those individual districts can really come together and put together an entire community of support. They put together an entire outreach program. They've created this entire hub system of tutoring centers for students to be able to go to and log in and use a varsity tutors. The beauty of it is that in typical situations, you have to staff all of those, those, those tutoring set, those locations with high quality educators or high quality, uh, you know, uh, um, facilitators. And those are hard to find. Um, but what we can do is we can have somebody that's there monitoring and, and managing the classroom behavior, the, the, the behavior that's going on within that room while those students are engaging with their own personalized, individualized tutor right there on their own screen. So you have that management piece going on and you have that high quality instructional component going on. And again, they built an entire community, a network, inescapable network of support is one way to think about it. And they've marketed to families. They've provided all of the, the necessary resources so that at any time, without any excuses, students and teachers can get the support that they need anytime, anywhere. So uh, there's some really amazing examples. Uh, we have other examples in, in Louisiana where they're using this to support their MTSS program and be able to provide it through NOLA, the organization there. Uh, to support um, RTI and MTSS and that students needs uh, across the entire continuum at any point at any time. So uh, this really gives us uh, a, a tremendous reach and be able to scale uh, what really, really matters to reaching those communities and supporting students. I um yeah I love I love you know quite a few things that uh, that you've been saying you know kind of going back to time you mentioned you know it's like you know you can have a teacher or someone from the building supervising as expertise happens. I think you think of all the things we ask of teachers to do, you know, how many young teachers come in thinking it's all about content knowledge and engaging lessons and then, you know, get smacked in the face by classroom management and uh, dealing with, you know, behavioral issues and attendance and requests for hall pass and all those kind of things that, uh, that we ask the same person to do so many things at the same time that, uh, that being able to allow them to do one thing um, and, and outsource some of the others somewhere else can, can be really helpful. Um, one of the other things I, I know we, we hear a lot from, uh, from, from districts that, uh, that we work with on, on a variety of, of programs is creative ways to make sure that parents know um, that services are available. Um, and so I think it was Rialto has, um, you know, they were even, even thoughtful in street signage, kind of knowing where kids That's would right. walk so that and parents would walk with their kids so that it wasn't just, we sent a yeah. note home. Did you get it in the backpack? We sent an email. What are, what are some of the innovative ways you've been, you know, seeing 
folks just so making sure that these services are front and center for parents. You mentioned the signs along the way. So students are, parents are walking their students to and from school. They, they, they gave them magnets with a QR code. So when they're at home, they can just scan it right onto their phone and it'll go right to the to, uh, varsity's, varsity tutors website and log them right in. Um, just the ability, because one of the big challenges has always been, you know, how do we get Wi-Fi to everybody? How do we get devices to everybody? We've, we've found ways to, to, to in large part, uh, eliminate some of those technology gaps. But now it's also, what are you going to do with the technology that you have? And Rialto has really been able to narrow and zero in and focus on this as the main element of the instructional support beyond the regular day that's available to you. There's great tools out there, but you know, if you open up a dashboard, um, there might be 20 tools on that dashboard for, for parents. It's confusing for teachers and for parents, it can be even worse. But if you know that right at the center of that is tutoring and there's this direct connection that you can have between your child and, and, and another individual, a person on the other side of that, that tends to be favored above all other resources. Not that those things don't have their place, but um, just being able to focus folks, focus members of the community on, um, again, the superpowers that can be delivered through through access to technology has really been a powerful um, message for many of the communities in California and, and in the Southwest in general, just the folks that I work with on a day-to-day -day basis. And that's one of the things that one of the, the enduring lessons I hope comes out of this. Um, you know, we, we've identified, we've all worked together on um, you know, tutoring, you know, with flexible scheduling, you know, through online tutoring on sort of on-demand tools that allow um, students to get small doses of support quickly, whether in the classroom or beyond. Um, but, but in addition to technology solving the problem, um, you know, also making sure that everyone out here is considering doing something like this in their own classrooms or districts knows that, um, you know, there is a lot of follow through that, you know, the kind of a lot of the creativity then comes in making sure that, that people know it's available, um, that they connect with it. Now, one of the others, um, you know, I think it's, it's not in necessarily your region, Mark, but we did an EdWeb presentation um, with a few organizations, I think in Baltimore and one in Florida, that were doing mobile tutoring that sort of identified that it's difficult to just expect that this will happen at home, whether it's for, you know, through Wi-Fi or, you know, device challenges, through, you know, do, do students have that, you know, the parent sitting them down and doing it, and so they've done things with, uh, you know, having buses go around the community that involve other activities for siblings and parents so that students can access the technology, um, you know, whether, uh, you know, they're on house, whether they're, you know, there are other things going on in their communities that, hey, we'll bring mobile tutoring to them, you know, give the family incentives to get there. And then that way we know that, that those who need this kind of intervention the most um, are, are, you know, have, have that much more reason to find it and, uh, and to, to make it a habit. Um, since, you know, so many of these things, you know, it's not that technology has necessarily failed us on the way to personalization. It's that we really need to get all the, the dots to connect from great idea to hardware that, that's necessary to human power and to, to people using it consistently. So hopefully that's one of the enduring lessons from here. It's not just what is the solution, but how will, uh, will you and your, your district do that? Um, which I guess maybe brings me back to you, Rick. I know that uh, we talked, you know, probably 10, 15 minutes ago about, hey, teachers get to be hands off now. And, and that's kind of great with some of the after hours scheduling and, and you know, on demand, they can kind of say, hey, you know, go, you can ask that question to the computer. We, we've given teachers to be a chance to be hands off. But obviously, 
teachers are big drivers of, of educational intervention. Um, and uh, what, are, what are you now piloting to, um, to get teachers the opportunity, the option to be a little bit more hands-on with some of these interventions? Yeah, so I'm really excited that we'll be launching a pilot for the teacher assigned uh, service or a component of the, the, what Varsity Tutor has to offer. What that's going to do for us is going to allow our teachers to uh, have they. So let me back up because we're still don't have all of our students that are eligible for high dosage tutoring signing up whether the parents say they're too busy or uh, it's not for them after school. There's a couple of reasons. There's still students we're not reaching. So we have kids that are in the school and we, they're our captive audience at that time. So now we want to launch this teacher assigned uh, small group tutoring. We're going to do it in our math class because in math in particular, We've been asking our secondary math teachers to do a workshop model where there's a limited amount of time of whole group instruction and then they break off into small groups. And in classrooms where there may be a, a, a greater degree of differentiation and, and different gaps that may occur, we've tried to put a second adult in the room where there is a, like an RTI intervention teacher or perhaps an inclusion teacher. Uh, and that in those cases, there's a second person in the room, but there are plenty of classrooms that still have a wide range of students' needs and abilities. And so now we can have that second small group teacher in the room when the teacher who's leading the class sees the need and has the capacity to just dial up that second, that RTI teacher uh, that they don't have on their schedule, that we don't have on our salary roll. Um, teacher assigned, now that math teacher can say, I'm going to break up into small groups. I know I'm going to meet with this group right away. And I have this other group right now that I know is, you know, like the next group that I would get to, but I can't. There's just not enough time tomorrow. So can schedule a time for a tutor to zoom into the room to that group of kids and in a small group really provide the kind of support that a, a second, you know, intervention teacher that we might have on salary would do in, in the room across the hall, we can now have every math teacher across our district be able to do that and not have to, you know, have the, the expense from a district standpoint to have a second person in every room. Uh, and so that for us is going to be a real relief for our teachers and for sure a great, great way in order to you know, be able to provide truly personalized instruction in ways that we were currently not doing until we launched this next week. Excellent. We're excited to hear about uh, how, how that works out for you. I think it goes back to sort of, you know, the, the key theme we've mentioned is the technology that helps personalize learning best is the technology that either gives teachers more time or gives you access to more teachers so that there's just more teacher time uh, God, we can consider that a unit to, uh, to be able to connect directly with students, personalize for them, learn about what they need, and, uh, and then be able to deliver that, uh, which may lead me a little bit to, you know, kind of an elephant in the room if you're talking about uh, personalized technology, technology in, in fall 2023. Um, I think we've probably all seen news reports about chat GPT making homework harder to assign and, uh, you know, plagiarism and all those kind of things. But um, you know, Mark, I know, I know we've talked a fair amount about, hey, if we go back to our core principles, we need to give teachers more time or, or allow them to be more efficient with time. 
um, than you know is kind of humanly possible. Um, what what ways are you seeing you know either today or kind of envisioning in, in the next few years? How can some emerging technology tools like AI help us buy mm-hmm. some more time for teachers to use their superpowers? So I mean I, I think that some of the concerns are valid. I'm going to stand by my 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 uh, my districts here and my educators until we have a better understanding. And I think most of it's just it's it's our ability as edu- as tech folks to explain what technology is doing and how it's working. Because I do see huge benefit, and there are districts that are completely bullish on on bringing in technology and AI. And then there's others that have, they're, they're not ready for it at this moment. But I think that, you know, one of the things I, I do want to say one thing real quickly about the fact that, you know, a lot of people are concerned about lost learning time and, and, and all of the time that was lost during COVID. But this is a reality for anybody who's written an IEP. If you write an IEP, you have to go back and look at an individual student's individual history of education. If there are big gaps in their history, you cannot qualify that student in many cases for an IEP. Um, and we're probably going to see more and more of that as, as it comes up. But the reality is how you can't cram one more year's worth of instruction into you don't have another year to cram it in. So you have to find those minutes of instructional time outside of that one year's worth of instruction. And, and so that's where AI and the ability to take technology and leverage all of the information that exists already on every one of these students through all the tools that they're using, take that, consolidate it, transpose that into something that is meaningful and actionable um, is another promise of technology, right? Because there's a lot of information out there for teachers and administrators to leverage and use already. It's just not always you know, aggregated and and delivered in a way that's meaningful and actionable. I mean, that's from the practitioner side, but then from the development side, in terms of what technology can deliver, you know, we really see the capacity of us to introduce this whole scope of, of understanding into our instruction, which is about media literacy and understanding what is coming and the technology that is coming. So as, as technologists and as, as people that are on the tech side of the ed tech world, um, you know, the onus is on us to be able to explain that to folks. And I see that really, really smart companies are doing that. And a lot of people are very forward thinking on it. Um, but I think the ability to take what already exists out there and what we know um, can be delivered, but hasn't been delivered efficiently and effectively and use leverage like AI and ChatGPT to be able to do that in an effective way is only going to prepare our students better for the future that they face. We can't avoid it. This is this is what's coming. Um, but we have to do that with, you know, with um, with care and concern and interest for the for the needs of each individual district. And and companies like Varsity Tutors are doing that. We're very sensitive to that, very aware of that. And and we are customizing our our solutions for districts on a district by district basis. So if folks are not ready for that, we're we have the the capacity to bring them along at the pace that they're comfortable with. Great. No, I love, um, you know, I just come back to your, your uh, you know, teacher superpower is personalization. The limitation is, is time. Um, and some of the ways we talked about that, uh, that varsity tutors is already starting to use some AI tools for, um, you know, kind of figuring out early detection. You mentioned so often we're waiting to fail. Um, can we okay. use big data on assessments and things to find out? Hey, here are the symptoms that can tell us a year early that, you know, the student may not be ready in these key skills for the next year, or I know Rick mentioned at one point, one of the, the big challenges in personalization 
isn't just getting the teacher connected with the student. It's making sure the teacher knows what the student needs to work on as a little bit of access to, you know, their educational history. What did they struggle with a little bit before? What are some of their test scores and, and assignment results? And uh, being able to use things, you know, like a GPT type model to, to give them a quick summary of this is what the student's been working on. This, you know, these are some of the assignments. Here's a suggested lesson plan for a first session. Some of those things can can cut down on the prep time it takes to effectively personalize early and, and, and kind of get off to the races on a teacher to student or tutor to student relationship so that uh, that you know that early time is is used pretty wisely and effectively. Um Jerick, what about you when you kind of look at uh, you know, I know you're you know, you know, an accomplished author in uh, in education, uh, you know, an, an educational thought leader. Um, where do you see technology helping to enable personalization and what gets you excited about the future of personalized learning? That's a big question. Um, to, uh, to be honest with you right now, um, we are trying to, you know, when you talk about chat GBT, right, you know, you see that there's kids that ha have the ability to say, I need to know something, I need to understand something right now, and they can get it right away, right? Um, so, you know, that, that is, there, there's, there's good with that. And uh, we want to be able to like teach kids how they can use things like chat GPT to help them. But also we want them to understand the limitations and get them to understand that there are things that we bring as humans that artificial intelligence can't do. So that, and as more and more kids become familiar with the, the power of technology, but also the limitations of technology, we think we're going to to build our, our 21st century learners who are, are able to maximize those tools, but at the same time, you know, be able to go beyond those, what those have to offer. Great, thank you. Um, and uh, we've got a few minutes. I want to hear from audience questions. There have been a few, I'll, I'll get to you guys there um, in, in just a moment. I'll give you a, a you know, quick uh, moment's rest here. I'll mention one of the things that uh, we talk about at Varsity Leaders Lab is AI for HI, which is artificial intelligence for human interaction. And you know, how do we use it not to replace key elements of tutoring, but how do we use it to, to arm teachers and tutors with the kind of data and lesson plans and, and you know, give them a running start so that uh, that we can really optimize human interaction. So I wanted to, to address that since I know, um, you know, in the education space, we hear a lot about, um, you know, it sort of you know, it replaces the time we all spent as kids going to a card catalog. Maybe that's okay. Um, but uh, but there are definitely some downsides and there's some some upsides as well, but just sort of give teachers the, the time and efficiency and things that they really need to, to unlock those superpowers. So, We've had a few questions coming. I think a couple have been addressed in the chat. Um, this is being recorded, so if you want to go back to any part of it, uh, you'll be able to access the recording, um, you know, through AdWeb or through I think an email that you'll get after this. Um, there are a couple that came in, uh, Mark. You may be able to, to specifically address about um, the the service as well. Um, does the tutoring that we've been talking about through Varsity Tutors for School um, does it have special education trained tutors? Yes, absolutely. Um, um, Orton Gillingham is, is one of the options that's available for uh, for students. So we, we can make that uh, an option for districts to offer to their to their students. We have a number of tutors. We have the largest pool of tutors just to promote uh, of all online tutors. Any company is just it's 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 phenomenal. We have over forty thousand tutors available, and they all have a variety of different skills and content backgrounds but one of the things that we can do is we can really uh, help those students that 
that have IEP needs that have very specific, uh, you know, if they have visual processing disorders or they have any one of the qualifying conditions, we have folks that can 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 work with them um, and and manage those, uh, managing a learning environment that that fits those individual students' needs for sure. Thank you, and that uh, that brings me a little bit too as well. I wanted to uh, to point out another thing that, that Lorraine was ready to to speak upon is um, in using tutoring services and technology for. Um, for her special education students in, in Portland, she mentioned that some highly impacted students won't work well with technology. That that will be more of a distraction. But by giving the flexibility that the students for whom technology is, is a great fit, that saves teacher time to be able to cover some of the other um, types of learning differences that might not benefit as well. So sort of that, um, you know, part of, of technology being part of the educational experience uh, to unlock the, the superpowers that different teachers have. Um, is so important. Another question that came in was uh, was about hey, if a lot of this is being you know uh, put on parents to uh, to schedule things mm -hmm. at home to, to be able to operate with technology, is there any kind of training? Um, and maybe either of you can grab this. Any training, communications, preparation that uh, you provide or recommend to parents to make sure that they're able to, to facilitate the technology of, of things like on demand. And I'll let Rick answer how they've done that in his district, but I know in general, uh, we can do everything from uh, developing and building um, short video clips uh, that can be accessed on demand at any particular time by parents to uh, training, uh, you know, train the trainer type of uh, support for school districts. Um, and we have a really amazing customer success team here that literally can communicate at times directly with the parents and work with them in directly, although that's not always scalable. So our, 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 our first choice, obviously, also as good educators is to teach our educators and the partners that we're working with um, how to do this. It's very simple. I will say it's very simple and straightforward, but we're always here to, to help and provide that level of support that's needed to make sure no one falls through the cracks. That's really important to us. So Simplicity is definitely built in because the way we're doing it is tonight at seven o'clock, we're having a Zoom for all parents in our entire community. It's being facilitated by varsity tutors. I'm going to jump in and introduce them, and then they're going to show all the parents all that they can do with this and how to use it. And then uh, I can just click a button and, and that will be taken care of. So simplicity is definitely a, a a real asset of this and I'm, I'm really I feel really fortunate that it's not up to me and my staff to now you know really sort of onboard all of our parents it's it's a service that's there and it's free and it's and I'm you know I don't know I hope thousands of parents zoom in tonight I don't know if they'll all take advantage of it but it's there and it's and it'll be really simple for us we hope so too and, and thank you thanks to both of you for uh, for all of your expertise thanks to everyone out there for participation, questions, and, and all those kind of things. Uh, Rick, we look forward to hearing how Teacher Assigned rolls out for you and um, you know continued success with all the other programs. Uh, Mark, thanks for sharing so much of your expertise here. As you mentioned, if you want to know more about uh, these tutoring programs, please reach out to us at Varsity Tutoring. We put some um, some contact information in the chat here for you, and you'll get it as, uh, as part of the follow-up. We'll thank everyone for attending, for all of your participation, and an extra special Thank you to, uh, to Rick and Mark for, uh, for all their insight. We hope you enjoyed this EdWeb podcast. If you'd like to receive a CE certificate, you must watch the video recording. Recordings and quizzes can be found in the EdWebinar archives. Please visit home.edweb.net 
slash podcasts for more information.